0: Welcome to GEP Insights. On this podcast, you'll hear cutting-edge thoughts on supply chain, sustainability, and strategies to help your business succeed. For more information, visit GEP.com. And now, our latest episode. Welcome. You are listening to GEP Insights for Intelligent Procurement and Supply Chain Conversation. I'm your host, John Carter, and today I'm joined by Consulting Senior Manager, Virat Venkatraman. Virat, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate your time here. Absolutely. Well, before we get started, do you mind introducing yourself and sharing about what you do at GEP?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Thanks again. My name is Virat, and I work as a senior manager in uh, GEP's consulting practice based in London. I've been with uh, GEP for over eight years now and been involved in different types of engagements like opportunity assessment, strategic sourcing, process consulting, and some larger procurement transformation projects. I have an affinity towards the uh, chemicals and oil and gas industry and the market volatility and the challenges it brings to the table excites me. I'm super happy to be discussing this subject on this podcast today,
0: John. Well, we're excited to discuss it. So today we are talking about some of the key trends and strategies in the European chemical industry for the rest of 2022 and beyond. So I can imagine that the industry has experienced similar issues and roadblocks as other industries over the past couple of years, but could you spend some time sharing what the current state is and, and how we got here?
1: Absolutely. I think the last couple of years have been challenging for everyone, uh, but even more so for the European chemicals industry, um, I think the pandemic resulted in a lot of uh, larger topics, uh, some of them which were very apparent with the labor shortages, uh, plant closures, supply disruptions that came as a result of all of these, and there were many, many challenges on, on multiple fronts that effectively led a lot of uh, chemical companies firefighting. So effectively, they moved away from their usual mode of operation in terms of efficiencies and effectiveness, and they were basically firefighting for their daily supplies and and so on. Since then, it's been an uphill climb. And on top of it, to make things even worse, the inflation situation that we have on our hands currently isn't helping. The geopolitical tensions that we have across the globe in different sides of the world, between China, Taiwan, between uh, Russia, Ukraine, all of that is not supporting the ongoing situation either. Supply chain disruptions uh, have gotten worse. And compounding all of this, the sustainability regulations and energy prices are already soaring high. So all of these are posing a new set of uh, challenges a lot of these have redefined the way firms need to look at supply chains. Um, so that's it'll be interesting to see how the top firms actually respond.
0: absolutely. Well, so I think we've established, right? there's some problems, but maybe um before we go uh, further into the report, what is the significance of the European chemical industry, and maybe at a macro perspective?
1: Um. I would say, despite all of this, the uh, European industry uh, remains a pioneer in terms of innovation. If I'm not wrong, it ranks second, accounting for about 15% of the uh, global sales and uh, employs more than 1.2 million people uh, across different countries. There are more than 25,000 companies in this industry supporting an additional 19 million in the entire supply chain, if I have to put things into numbers. So basically, the COVID pandemic has accelerated the long-term trends and has reshaped the supply-demand dynamics. Uh, There are several factors which I'm sure we're going to discuss uh, over the next couple of minutes. But uh, what we are seeing is how businesses are actually adapting to these and taking advantage of the, the situation to ensure they don't lose out and they don't eventually fade out
0: would be very interesting to see. For sure. Well, there's a lot to unpack here. And a report that you authored actually outlines nine key catalysts to pay attention to. So let's start with the first one. It's deglobalization. Can you expand upon that?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think this is an easy one and the most jarring trend if i i could say and that's what i've been witnessing over the last couple of years the uh, chemicals market will be a global force right that's that's a given uh, and with uh, china being the the biggest stakeholder of, of them all however a, a multitude of uh, smaller factors like uh, certain policies, geopolitical tensions, and the national security concerns. In a a couple of years, uh, these have started decelerating the uh, pace of globalization. When the pandemic swept across the world, the reliance and integration with other geographies led to significant widespread effects. It forced the closing of the borders, restricted movements of goods and and people, Uh, ports were closed disrupting the manufacturing industry and uh, the shipping and the distribution industry globally. So what it basically did was it triggered the need for different supply chain strategies. The focus could no longer be just on costs and on on savings. So it was effectively an episode where the companies could learn. So as a, a chemical company you know, prioritizes uh, its key uh, aspects for the year. I would say resilient supply chains uh, would be one of the topmost one. And uh, at the end of the day, for a firm at this moment, as things stand, it's not all about cost, but business continuity. And that will remain the key short-term priority.
0: Right. Well, the second catalyst mentioned is digitization, which always seems to get attention. But why is this still such a significant catalyst in twenty twenty
1: two? Well, uh, traditionally, I would say the chemicals industry has been uh, relatively slow in adopting, you know, the uh, digital trends um, as as compared to the other industries. But in the past two years. I think the firms who were more digitally sound and uh, those who had already been in in front of the curve performed much better than the ones who are lagging behind. It effectively transforms the way one does business and uh, effective digitization effectively brings a lot of transparency into your supply chains, which is the need of the hour. So I would say the adoption of AI and ML uh, for market sensing and for decision-making tools from a business standpoint has boosted the overall robustness of how a supply chain works and the resulting transparency that it brings, which effectively you know, gives a very solid end-user customer experience.
0: Got it. Sustainability is the third catalyst listed here. Can you share more?
1: Of course, yeah. I mean, sustainability is the buzzword across almost every industry that we are dealing with. Uh, And while sustainability has been on the chemical industry's agenda for a long, long time, the growing environmental concerns and the regulatory changes have forced the industry to work towards this. Since the... Chemical industry, directly or indirectly, it it touches every aspect of our lives. It becomes a key enabler in achieving this goal. Uh, Also, you know, it's the biggest uh, industrial consumer of electricity across Europe. It's a key stakeholder in in transforming the way uh, Europe consumes energy. So the industry can effectively lead a shift towards a circular economy and decrease the carbon footprint. So I I would say sustainability and the chemicals industry is a, a match made in heaven. There's a lot of nitty gritties that can be spoken about in this space, but I feel the industry has a lot to offer in terms of achieving its goals.
0: It seems recently that shale gas is also getting a lot of attention. So what has happened in this space and what is expected going forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, shale, the way it burst onto the scenes uh, over the last decade, predominantly in in the U.S., was a a game changer, right? So there are solid reasons why Europe should uh, effectively imitate and look to adopt the shale gas boom from the U.S., which happened uh, many years back. For starters, it would translate into cheaper energy prices. Second, the continent's awkward dependence on, on Russia, which effectively provides a third of uh, Europe's gas at this moment, is another key uh, concerning factor for me. And this was exposed in a more apparent way in the recent months, as, as you all know. So from th- the UK to Poland, uh, I would say companies have tried and failed to replicate the success of, of fracking in the in the US. Um, their efforts have been, uh, you know, effectively trimmed down by uh, aggressive political opposition, a lot of barriers from a regulatory standpoint. Uh, effectively, Europeans are refusing to sign up for the shale revolution because they fear it's going to ruin their scenery contaminate drinking water clog the country lanes and, and so on but shale holds the promise of cheaper gas that can boost the economy for sure and weaken russia's overall grip on the uh, europe's energy needs but there are it's, it's not a straightforward exercise of course there is a lot of uh, you know smaller aspects that needs to be Detailed out. So, which set of uh, imperatives will win, or is there a way for them to, you know, coexist? Is an interesting debate. But I would say, at least being open in terms of exploring the shale gas is a much needed one, given the present energy crisis that uh, Europe is on right now.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see play out over the next couple of years. So. Mm-hmm. The next two seem related, pop-up ecosystems and mergers and acquisition activity. So how have these impacted the industry and how will they continue to have an effect going forward?
1: Well, I would say the uh, both of these trends started off as a short-term crisis response, right? Uh, but... Eventually, they just continued, and this is expected to stay. So, chemical companies will explore innovating with products, uh, will talk about partnerships, they will build capabilities uh, in terms of the different market needs. To further risk-proof their future, companies could also start uh, pivoting towards higher-margin, high-demand products that use the same raw materials that were used uh, in the past for the other products. And in terms of m I think these took a backseat during the pandemic due to a lot of economic uncertainty, and the m a slowed down significantly globally, all the more across Europe. But since then, m a has been slowly picking up. Uh, the pressure of debt and, uh, say, a company's willingness to divest their existing portfolio, has provided additional mm-hmm. avenues for the larger firms in terms of increased activity, and there are several several examples of how a larger firm goes into a backward integration in, in the industry to stay more resilient, to stop the dependency on certain companies, to have end-to-end responsibility in terms of, of sourcing, it is much easier. So we see a lot of examples of, of backward vertical integration in this space, which will continue.
0: Sure. So in terms of logistics as a catalyst, what can you tell the listeners about cross-continent and cross-border shipments?
1: Um, Well, this is a very interesting topic, right? So uh, though we spoke a lot about the globalization at the beginning, the center of the chemicals industry continues to be APEC and increasing development of unconventional gas production across North America like shale, The industry in in Europe is bound to experience more uh, cross-continental and uh, cross-border shipments. This will require firms to comply with numerous global, regional, and of course, even the local policies. And all of this, along with these sustainability-led regulations, makes things slightly tricky. I would say what we are already witnessing is investments by companies in tools and and technology is increasing to further increase their supply chain visibility to track inventory, to actively monitor where their orders are, shipping schedules and and so on. This is very essential in terms of mitigating and to help in better planning to offset challenges in the logistics space because what was often the case over the last two years is if a company had not adopted to the digital trends they were often left wondering what was happening to their existing shipments mm-hmm. what uh, if a customer is going to follow up they had no reason and you know they had no visibility as to what was going on so this is the most important aspect of the entire value chain there and the investments and the focus is going to be more here than ever
0: I can imagine I can also imagine production costs you know have of course risen as we've seen in the past couple years so how do you see cost management being a factor or maybe even a bigger factor going forward
1: uh i mean chemicals and and costs go they they are typically two sides of the coin right so with the most advanced knowledge base they uh, i would say the industry must actually leverage its experience and uh, position to actually come up with an innovative process and product delivering cost economies for example companies should develop new processes to actually capitalize on the low feedstock cost of shale or for example or for that matter any other new material that is energy efficient resource efficient thus decreasing the overall costs in the industry. On top of that, prioritizing inventory optimization by increasing the visibility uh, would be another factor. Uh, Avoiding high storage costs uh, and tie up working capital for non-critical goods could be avoided. And actively monitoring orders and better scheduling will lead to better cost management.
0: Sure. Okay. so last but not least, what is happening with European industrial policy? And how will that impact chemical companies going forward?
1: I'd say there are two factors for the industry to succeed uh, based on what I've been seeing. Uh, this would be essential for uh, to improve the overall uh, investor confidence, which was going to be a key focus area. And, of course, employing a consistent approach along the value chain is going to be uh, a critical factor as well. Um, I would say one more key aspect would be Uh, the existing funding programs. Having a better management and rationalization of the European and domestic funding programs can prove to be a catalyst for growth. Policies around availability of the feedstock, and as we spoke about uh, a few minutes back, on the future of uh, fracking and drilling, would decide which... uh, track would the industry be taking, Uh, this would also decide the future of arbitrage and uh, other key trade economies in certain key sectors.
0: Okay, so you've taken us through some of the catalysts for change we can expect, but how should chemical companies respond to all this? There's so much going on, what can they do to prepare for the future?
1: I would say it's it's uh, simple, right? Uh, and not so simple, yeah. But I would say the easiest thing is to play to one's strengths. Uh, be risk averse for the time being until the markets stabilize. It's good to take the risks when the environment is actually viable for that, but, but not right now. Uh, focus on digitizing your supply chain as much as you can um, and invest in the supply chain visibility. Um if it's possible, add a lot of, uh, you know, I would say make your supply chain uh, more agile, uh, improve your internal capacity planning, because that's a key area which impacts a lot of things uh, down the chain. At the end of the day, don't lose the sight of the larger picture on sustainability, given so many moving pieces. Uh, What has worked well for a lot of firms in the recent past is their key uh, supplier relationships that they have actually forged over the last couple of years because that has come in handy during tricky market conditions. And I would say, over communicate with your suppliers on a daily basis on your needs, on your exact demand and the forecast, because that's an area where I always see there is, uh, I would say, uh, more is, is less. Yeah. Keep communicating often mm-hmm. with your uh, suppliers on what you need, uh, what exactly is your scheduling, and, and so on. And these final two points go hand in hand, having a, an excellent Relationship with your uh, suppliers will take you a long way in mm-hmm. terms of uh, managing the existing tides in the
0: industry at this moment. Makes sense. So, Varat, as we are wrapping up, this all sounds like a lot, but maybe if you could bring it home for us and summarize the bottom line, what would it be?
1: Of course, I would be happy to uh, summarize all of this. Um, though the future of the industry, continues to be uncertain and looks to be scary from the outside. Uh, I would say innovation uh, and having the right policy framework would be key to success from an industry standpoint. The chemical firms that are operating in the global markets uh, need to be scrutinizing new investment opportunities, uh, take advantages of it. Uh, well, I would say multiple scenarios can pan out in the coming months and years, but the most plausible one could be where the firms focusing on sustainability and innovation would survive and grow. Those who continue to work, uh, say, in an old way of working would be under tremendous cost pressures and would eventually crack. The carbon carbon footprint and social pressures will continue to play a key role in the future of the industry. So I would say a a company needs to find a right balance between sustainability, business continuity, and a longer term vision. And all of these three need to go hand in hand in, they need to play to their strengths. Uh, I think having these three at the forefront of every decision making process could prove to be effective in the short term and the long term respectively.
0: Okay, well, we'll see how this plays out. But Virat, thank you for your insights and for joining the podcast today.
1: Excellent. Thank you, John.
0: Join us in the next episode of GDP Insights. Thanks for listening.